Founders. This is J.R. Wilco with today's Unnecessary Foolishness. It's episode 42 of Superfluous Poppycock Podcast. I have a very special guest with me today. You may know him as ATS, Ostexper. You may know him as Wayne Four. However it is you know him. You might know him as WVATS, but he is the previous managing editor of Pounding the Rock and my initial, my immediate predecessor. And we are going to be talking about all things Spurs. I'm opening this podcast up. Wayne and I have known each other for over 10 years now, and I'm going to let this thing go where, where it's going to. We've got a ton to talk about, though. I'm sure we'll talk about Derek White and DeJounte Murray. I'm certain that we're going to talk about the uh, difficulty the starters are having uh, scoring the ball and just keeping up with the competition in general, uh, the way the bench is playing, what can be flip-flopped and gone back and forth. But first and first and foremost, I got to, I got to, uh, I got to invite Wayne here. Wayne, thanks for joining me. How you doing? Oh, very, very good. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Awesome. That was fantastic. This is going to go great. Yeah. I'm very talkative today. (laughs) So first, uh, you and I haven't spoken yet about uh, about how how much anticipation there was this year that we would see an incredible defensive tandem in the backcourt with Derek White and Shante Murray, and it's it, it's been one clutch possession that they played together and helping and helping win one game, and they had a little stretch in in another. Uh, against the Celtics and that is all they've played together. What what do you think? What do you think so far is it is it all about the 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 limited minutes that DeJounte has right now with 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 his minutes restriction and and pop spreading out his his best defenders uh or is there something more? I'm actually not positive one way or the other. Uh I've gone back and forth a couple of different ways with it. Um some of it obviously is the minutes restriction. Uh probably for both with Derek White coming out of the summer. But even without a minutes restriction, you'd probably be, probably be looking at both of them playing 30 minutes a game. They might have six minutes overlap. So I'm, whichever on that one, to me, it's just they're not finishing games together, which is what I, would surprise me the most, um, that they we aren't coming down the stretch in the last three to five minutes with both of them on there, both of them being your best defenders. I think that's probably the one instance that surprises me the most. It kind of confounds me. Um, as you said, coming into the season, I was, had a lot of anticipation, not just for them playing together, but for the team overall and mm-hmm. having a little more athleticism, I think, this year on the court. And we're just not seeing that. And I think that's the, the one thing that confounds me the most. It, it, it comes in line, though, with the Derek White and DeJounte Murray not playing together and Lonnie Walker not playing at all. So... <laughs> Yeah, let's save money for a second, shall we? Yeah, we can save that for later, but it it, it, it plays in there as well. It's, we're just not seeing the athleticism I expected to see. How much do you think that athleticism plays in the fact that the, the team is struggling so much just trying to stop teams? Just how poorly the de- how poor the defense is this year? It's it's abysmal to watch. I'm really not sure. I mean, you know, I didn't expect Marco Bellinelli to turn into a great defender this year. Um, 
or Patty. You know, Patty plays hard, but he's also just not a great defender. Same with uh, Bryn Forbes. But it's a combination of lack of discipline and lack of effort that I see it, 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 that kind of confound me. Like, I, I, I keep saying confound because it's just the best word that, to describe how they play. Like I like flummox. They don't look flummox. Okay, there you go. Like You're flummox, just looking like, at them like, who are these guys? Like, you always expect effort out of the team. and You don't see effort. You know, DeMar and LaMarcus look like they're going through the motions. What is that? You never saw that. We've never seen that from a Spurs team defensively. Not not consistently. Maybe a game here or there, right? But not 10 games in a row or whatever this is. The two things that you always, that I always felt like I was going to get when I watched a Spurs game in the past. And we're definitely talking about the past now. All, all three of the, all of the big three are up in the rafters. Jerseys. Don't make me cry. Uh, I, I make no promises, but uh, we're definitely talking about the past. So the two things that I always felt like I got whenever I watched a game, I, w- I would see, I would see smarts. And I would see heart from the team. And I was really, I was really upset and disappointed as much as you can be in a single play that takes place immediately. In LaMarcus Aldridge in the second quarter of the last game against the Grizzlies, tie ball game, eight seconds left in the quarter, the shot goes up, it doesn't quite make it. And instead of maneuvering his body in order to just secure the rebound, and at least kick it back out so that it's a it's a tie game going into halftime, right? He throws his arm out at it in, in order to to try and make a wild attempt at tipping the ball into the basket. Memphis grabs the rebound, and they run down and and hit a hit a crazy thirty foot jumper right before the buzzer, and and all the work the Spurs did to to get back into that game and tie it. Now they're three down, and and that's. That's playing the game between your ears. That is all that is. All LaMarcus had to do is, is realize what the state of the game was, know how much time was left on the clock, and care about possession of the ball more than he cared about a low percentage shot going in. That's the kind of smarts that I'm missing from the team right now. And heart is another issue. Heart is, heart, you can't see heart. You can perceive heart. Everybody perceives heart in a different way. But there were two different possessions in that same Memphis game. In the, in, in, I want to say that they were both in the first quarter where on drives, LaMarcus either gave just kind of a hand wave at defense or just stood there and went, well, that's not my responsibility is what it looked yeah. like. To me. And that's what it looked like to me. I can't say what's going on in right. his head. But regardless, it was frustrating to watch. You sit there and go, our defense needs help. This is a guy who used to be anchoring our defense, who has anchored our defense the last two or three seasons, essentially just not looking like he's trying much. I would choose a little different word instead of heart and say effort. And effort and being smart kind of go hand in hand. Um, And I think what you're talking about is effort. Like when you watch LaMarcus and DeMar play right now, you don't, they're, they don't look active. You know, they're, they're kind of standing around. They're a beat slow, that kind of thing. And that, yeah, on defense. It, it, well, actually, I'd say on offense, too, at least for LaMarcus. If you look at, like, the Celtics game where he had, like, two shots in the first half, and I know it's mm-hmm. Sean Elliott's like, hey, you got to get the ball to the big man, but your big man has to work. He has mm-hmm. to be busting his butt, working for position so that you can get him that ball. 
you know, and against an active defense like the Celtics, it's kind of on the big man to make space for himself. And you just didn't see it. He was going to, you know, hanging out at the 18 foot range, hoping maybe he'd get an open jumper and you didn't see him really working the guys down low. And so to me, that's just an energy and effort thing. I don't want to call it heart because that kind of questions their courage and stuff like that. I just think they aren't, they're going through the motions of the early season and you can't do that in this NBA right now. Um, I'm the uh, Western conference. You sure can. Yeah, exactly. You'll end up five and five, right? At best. You'll, t- you'll end and, up five, uh, and five and out of the playoffs. They're currently a playoffs. Uh, it, it sometimes frustrates me when, when people say, if the playoffs began today, well, they don't, it's an A2 game season, but the way the team is playing right now, and this is speaks to your point, just doesn't look like a playoff team to me. And, and, and that effort that you talk about, I don't, I don't want to question the guy's heart. It's just smarts and heart are the way that, that I always, there you identify with a team. That's the way I always felt like I identified with the Spurs watching them play. They're playing with, with the, you can see the brains all over the court, everybody thinking, everybody on the same page, moving and working together and everybody doing everything they could on, on every play. That's, that's, that's Manu to a T and, and, and seeing a step back in that just really is incredibly frustrating, especially when we've seen LaMarcus play differently than that before. Yeah, for sure. It, it, you look at both of them, LaMarcus and DeMar, and I think it's just a step back for both of them this year from last year. And when you get that from your two guys logging the most minutes, that hurts you a lot, right? It's not yeah. like, um, say, uh, Pirtle not being quite as good this year in his 15 minutes, and maybe you get five or six minutes somewhere else, right? Your two guys making the most money, who are your stars, have to be leading with that effort. And I don't, I don't, maybe other people are seeing that they are. I, I'm not seeing that they are. The difficult thing for me is watching the last couple of games, the Celtics game and the Grizzlies game and feeling as though, well, I, there were a couple of plays where I wasn't fond of LaMarcus's body language. It looked like there was frustration. He had worked his way had sprinted down the court to get early post position and immediately you could see, I don't know if it was DeJounte or Derek White setting up, and they were not looking for him in the post right away. And he kind of waved his hand and his shoulder like, okay, well, it's definitely not going to be the post, is it? All right, I'll come out and set a pick on you. So he set the pick. He set a good pick. So it's it's not like he just stuck there in the post and refused to move. But at the same time, it, it, it seems like there's this ongoing lack of cohesion in the way that the team is playing. And that was something else that we always saw with the, in the big three eras that you knew Tony, Manu, and Tim were all on the same page. Yeah. I mean, maybe they're just really struggling with identity and Man. it's showing, you know, again, you could understand that too, I guess. seems like a weird thing for them to have to do after last year, but you could still see it happening. What I think, DeJounte coming back is really the only change in the roster from last year. Oh, and Trey Lyles. And Trey Lyles. (laughs) And Trey Lyles, who uh, to this point, you know, has to be a net positive compared to everything else that's going on. Beyond net positive, I'd say he's he's an out-and-out win. He's a bright spot uh, on the roster. I I didn't want to influence your your opinion there, but yeah, I would say he's been great. Um, I mean, so here here you go. I was looking at the kind of prepping a little. LaMarcus Aldridge is fourth on the team in rebounding. Yeah. 
think about that. Six think 11. about what that means. He's fourth Six on 11. the team. He's behind both the guys sharing minutes with each other. Trey Lyles and Rudy Gay are both over at seven or more rebounds per game. And they play the exact same position and, and are never on the court together. And LaMarcus is at six rebounds a game. So part of that is, is the, way that, the way that he's playing. He, he's yeah. almost jumpers and turnarounds this year. Uh, practically, and I haven't put a number on this, but I would guess between 60 and 75% of the time that he drives, it's a foul and the ball stops. And there's no continuation on his shot. If there is any continuation in the NBA anymore, I'm, I'm, I'm not exactly sure when or where or you know what confluence of astronomical bodies have to be in, in alignment in order for them to call it. But I know LaMarcus, since they changed the rule, hasn't gotten any because he always brings the ball back down before he brings it back up after he receives contact. That's just what he's always done. So he, continuation is not an issue for him anymore. But also... The no. man has stopped baseline. The man has stopped doing a little spin move and continuing to drive in towards the basket. Every single time he turns over his right shoulder, it's a, fa- it's a fadeaway. And I feel like teams are selling out to defend the middle. And that little move that he used to be able to do, where it was a tiny little, tiny little juke to his left, and then going in, he's, get, he's, he's throwing his shoulder directly into guys as they move because they don't, there's no threat of him going baseline and actually driving left. It's always to the right. And I feel like the longer that goes on, the less and less option he's going to have for anything but jumpers and turnarounds. And if his shot is off, then he completely disappears on offense. Yep. Yeah, it does. He's disappeared several times this year. I, I don't even know what to say. It's like your big man barely getting any rebounds, especially when you look at it per minute. It's embarrassing. And he's only getting four per game at the defensive end. So, you know, he's not even gobbling those up. Rebounds are an effort stat. Yeah, exactly. And energy and sure, sure, some of it is the game isn't, you know, played the same way it was before, blah, blah, blah. Other kind of big guys are putting up lots of rebound numbers. You just aren't seeing it from LaMarcus. Not through 10 games, you're not. All right. (laughs) No, but he's shooting great from mid-range. Mm, okay. I'm joking, man. I don't really know. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't I don't think his his efficiency numbers are are oh they're about in line with where they've been. They they they, they look better earlier in the season. Last few games haven't done him any favors. Uh all right, let's move on to Lonnie Walker. All right. Who is he? So so, so he's the guy with the hair that's, I heard he's on the team. He is. He is he's on the team. He hasn't made a single trip to Austin this year. So woohoo. Uh, he's been with the big club the entire time, and he's really not getting any playing time at all. What are you seeing from the time that he is actually on the court that would that, that, that is in the slightest bit optimistic? He's athletic. <laughs> that's really about all. I mean, he hasn't really played, so I mean, it's kind of hard to say what he's done that's optimistic. Um, he is who he is. He's just an athletic, fast guy. And he's just not getting any time. I don't even, I don't really know why. I mean, he's played 24 minutes this year, I guess, which isn't, you know, obviously isn't very much time. His net rating's abysmal. His PER is abysmal. Uh, I don't think he's made more than one shot. Has he even made a shot? Yeah, he's got made a shot. Yeah. So, yeah, he's got um, 
maybe two shots. That's pretty good, I guess. I really don't know, Dale. I he's the only thing I can think of is that Pop isn't seeing him in practice putting in the effort and really asserting himself. I'll, I'll be a little bit more choice, better choice of words there is asserting himself, being passive. And, you know, guys like that, Pop won't play if they're being passive, especially if it's passive defensively. It's my only guess. Yeah. I can't figure out any other reason why he's not playing. Um, unless they're trying to set up Bellinelli or somebody or to be traded. That's the only thing I can think of. When's the last time you saw Pop play anyone extra minutes in order to showcase their talents and then actually execute a trade? Actually execute one? Yes. Maybe never. Right. Uh, the only thing I could think of was back to the Brent Berry days where they started giving him some burn right before the J.R. Smith trade that didn't happen. So, yeah, I, I'm reaching. It's a conspiracy theory for sure. I don't, I don't really know what... Offense hasn't been the problem for the team, largely. No. Uh, you know, overall, they're scoring a lot of points, pretty efficient. It's, you know, I think we'd all agree the defense has been mediocre at very best. So, I, I don't know. You know, I don't know why uh, those guys are getting the minutes they are. So, I want to talk about the offense real quick. I agree with you. The offense isn't necessarily the problem. But I'll tell you something about the ends of games when it's anywhere close to a tight game and the Spurs are looking for a basket. They can't get one. So when you say overall the offense isn't the problem, well, that's through the first three, three and a half quarters of the game when they're able to just go against the regular defense and the regular defensive intensity of their opponents. As soon as whoever they're playing is putting the screws to them and ramping up that, that intensity and, and saying, okay, if you score against us, you're going to score against our absolute best effort. They can't score. Their, their, their numbers in, in that realm are abysmal and it's eye test and it's, it's, it's in, it's in the data as well. And I'm, I'm very concerned about any game that comes down to those clutch minutes, right? Games within five points with less than three minutes to go. And I'm, as the team is currently constructed in the way they're playing, yikes, this is, this is, uh, this is really disappointing and scary. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're looking at a team that has two guys anchoring their offense who can't shoot from three, right. In DeMar and LaMarcus, uh, LaMarcus just isn't great on the handle. I'll put it that way. You know, he's not going to drive by guys, not his thing. And our go-to offense is a kind of a high pick and roll or ISO for DeMar DeRozan, who they're going to play behind. And the best shot he's going to get is an 18 foot mid-ranger. It might be off balance. Yeah, it might be off balance. Right. And he can be very good at it. But when a, I think when a, the other thing is when a, team starts ramping up their defense at the end of the game, they're going to generally have their best defenders in their best team on the court that they probably haven't had on the court a lot during the game. And so you're really going at their strength And our offense. Isn't very creative at the moment, right? We aren't getting a lot of cheap backdoor cut, easy layups, uh, deep post setups. 
uh, run in motion. None of our guys can really take a guy off the dribble and blow by him. Derek and Damar probably of the guys that finished the game, probably the best too, but that's neither one of them. That's their strength. Yeah. Right. I, I think it's kind of a grind for the team at the end of the game to, to find a good shot. So I, I share your concern. It's just, it's ugly basketball to watch. And so an old, old buddy of mine who I've you know talked to for years said, this is, he texts me every game. This is just abysmal to watch both ends of the court. And it, it and maybe that's what's frustrating us is is they're playing poorly on both ends. It's just not the same. But I don't know. I don't think it was this bad last year, though. So I'm not. It's ugly, Dale. It's ugly. How do you how do you describe ugly basketball outside of just using ugly? Uh, abysmal is a word. Abysmal. Yeah. That's catastrophic. Oh, uh, you know, I'm not gonna say it's catastrophic. I don't think there's anything Disappoint- disappointing. Yep, I hate it when people use the word unacceptable. I'm like, right. it, it, this is this is life. Right. It's I'll tell life. you what's going to be bad. Let's He's, talk in like two weeks when they play six of the next next seven on the road. Mm-hmm. Right. We've had a home heavy schedule so far, and we're sitting at five and five. And we've also played teams that some of them aren't very good. Right. Especially the ones we've beat. We've lost five of the last seven. So. Two and a half weeks from now, we could have a even more negative view if, if it continues this same trend, right? I already, I already feel like this is a pretty depressing podcast right now. The team is five <laughs> and, and it's also doom and gloom. It, but it, but it, it, I feel like it's it's kind of warranted. The, the team is not playing well. They don't have a, a hop in their step. They their opportunity to come back from just being absolutely crushed by the Celtics was to fall behind the Memphis Grizzlies. The, at that point, what two win Memphis Grizzlies by 16 points or more in both halves. And, uh, okay, here's a bright, here's a bright spot right now. When the ball is in Derek White's hands in the half court, I feel more confident that it, than at any other time, in the game that a smart play is about to happen and the possibility of an easy bucket is at its highest probability. What do you think? I'd agree with that. Derek's just so crafty. He's just smart. He plays through contact right now. I think he's our best player, at least consistently game in game out. Right. He's not the most talented I would say, but he's the guy going out there being the most productive. I, I think that's great. Here's a depressing stat for you since we were talking about the record and everything. We have five wins, right? Those teams' best record out of those five wins is the Oklahoma City Thunder at four and seven. Yeah, yeah. And they're the, they're the like, sitting in, what's that, nine, ten, twelfth place in the West. That's our best win so far. Could only play who's on your schedule. Oh, I know, but we, I know, I know yeah, you know hold that. on. But we lost to all the other teams, as I'm saying. It's not like this is college football and we're 5-0 and oh and that's who we played. You know, this isn't a Clemson thing here. I'm saying that anybody that's been better than that, we've lost to. Man. Oh, no, sorry. Portland and Oklahoma City, they're tied. My bad. They're both 4-7. and seven. Well, still, 4-7 and seven is the best. I think that was the way that you that's, were. That is that the up. best. And we'll throw in a loss to the Grizzlies. 
Mm. And then, you know, Celtics, Lakers, and Clippers, you're talking about three good teams there, right? So that's no those aren't, it's not like those are embarrassing. But the point is, like, we haven't played but, th- but three games against the top eight teams in the West right now. We lost all three. We got them coming up here and on the road. Yeah, where, we do. Where the, where the team hasn't. And when we get. Any, anything like the Spurs of old on the road it, it, since 2016, 2017. So we're going to take a quick break for a sponsor. But when we get back, uh, high points and low points for DeJounte Murray. All right. And we're back. Thanks for sticking with us. So, Wayne, what is, I think, the biggest bonus for DeJounte Murray this year is the way that his shot looks, the way that his follow-through looks, and how how it's not embarrassing anymore to, to watch the kids shoot. And obviously the numbers are up as well. I love the way he's finishing through contact, but his decision-making uh, it leaves something to be desired. And the way that the kid is so out of control on fast breaks, yeah, he'll take the ball away. Yeah, he'll blow up three, four, five five possessions a game uh, for, for, for the opponents where they can't get into their offense at all because of one guy. He has that ability, and he'll take the ball away, but he'll give it back every bit as fast. And outside of those first three, four, five games, when his numbers, uh, his finishing numbers were really good around the rim, he's, he's, he's dropped off from there. And I'm, I'm concerned whether or not uh, – well, I'll tell you this much right now <laughs> – the Spurs fast break with him running it is unless he can hold onto the ball or make a single obvious pass is not, uh, is not winning any awards. Do you want the positive or the negative first? Uh, whichever way you want to give it. Okay. So I think the main issue with DeJounte really is decision-making. Um, you know, as much as we were talking about effort earlier, uh, his effort is always there. Right. He's going fast. He's going hard. He's disruptive. He's active. He is not anybody you ever see just standing around. The thing I think that's frustrating pop and what gets him pulled every time is decision making, both offensively and defensively. Offensively, it's really easy to see, right? Because he's driving out of control, uh, going one on three sometimes when he shouldn't, you know, and I, I think pop clearly has gotten his ear and is trying to have him recreate the Tony Parker one man fast break. Uh, where he can kind of go one-on-two, one-on-three and get layups and one-on-one is just completely unstoppable. And what he's, I think, learning is to recognize when a good defensive team has gotten back and basically laid a trap for him, right? And he has to figure that out because I think those are the really the possessions you're talking about a lot right there, right? Where he's just dribbling into traffic and just losing the ball, right? Falling down and, and looking like a, a, a young player. Um, bad passes as well. He, uh, yeah, bad passes. passes not not really kind of stepping back. Sorry, not really stepping back and getting the team into that their set real quickly or the, the secondary transition, uh, transition where you kind of drive down fast, pull off to the side, and then one of your other guys is beating somebody down court and you hit him either trailing for the open three or cutting to the basket for a layup or setting up the the hockey assist, right, where you've got that one guy who's beating a guy down court and you hit him and somebody has to step up to help and then that guy makes the next pass. You know, that sort of thing we're not seeing 
and that was also a, a staple of right Manu and Tony, right? But especially Tony. Tony always, I think we probably now appreciate him even more for his decision making, right? He didn't just run into stuff like that all the time. Um, yeah, he definitely has had the ability. Yeah, did I just use present tense? I'm delusional. Yeah. Uh, he, right. def- he definitely had the ability to to make really good guesses about where the defense was going to be and and avoid that full speed blast. Oh no, I'm right in a guy's chest. He he knew where I was gonna go. He guessed right. Oh man, that stinks. And that one man fast break DeJounte had in spades in the first two, three games, uh, teams are either getting back. And, and and being aware uh, of that, which was which was always just always the the fear that uh, the t- that the league was going to like we, we knew he was going to regress to to the mean some with, with those crazy numbers that he put up in the first few games with how uh, productive he was being in the open court. Teams are not going to put up with that and then make adjustments and send two three guys back. But it's beyond just DeJounte's inability to, to finish on the break right now. Any two-on-one, any three-on-one, three-on-two break, I feel like is getting blown up regardless who's handling the ball right now. And, and, and the team just doesn't seem very comfortable in, in transition, being able to, to score and finish, and, and even when they have numbers. And that's uh, like, the, like those easy baskets. When you can't get those easy baskets, we'll turn, the, turn them over. And the, and the team is not turning, uh, not turning people over very frequently at all. I think they're 29th in the league at forcing turnovers. But when they do turn it over, they're not cashing it in on points. And that, there was, that was never more evident that the stark disparity between two teams uh, in, in that mode was the transition buckets that the Celtics were getting. And they turned, they, live ball turnover, that was going to be two or three points. And and the Spurs just blew opportunity after opportunity. I agree. I mean, I think the other thing, and I thought I, would, I this was an impression I got watching that Celtics game too, especially is that the the strength of the Spurs is in their guards. The strength of the Celtics is in their forwards. Their athleticism at their forward position, you know, and I'm calling Brown and Tatum and those guys forwards, Hayward, anybody, you know, six six or larger. Uh, that's their strength. And on the break, they were able to just go over us and through us. They were like bigger and stronger, right? That again, that, that when you compare the athleticism of those guys to the athleticism and effort energy of DeMar DeRozan and Marco Bellinelli, those guys just abused us. Right. And I think part of that is what you saw on the break. Those guys, they were beating us down the court sometimes off of the turnover, but even when they weren't on the initial guy, the secondary guy, would come down and basically, especially Jalen Brown, just bully his way right to the rim. He was catching a defender, a little off balance, turning around to find him. And then boom, he was by him into contact and right at the rim. And we don't have guys doing that, right? You don't have Marco Bellinelli going to the rim through contact to get (laughs) you an and one, you know, not his thing, you know, and, and to me, that was a, that's a big thing. And they just killed us with that. I'm so glad Marco's been shooting better the last couple of games. 
so that we don't need to have a a section of the podcast gripe it about Marco. Love Marco, but his his play through the first seven eight games of the se- of the season was disappointing to near embarrassment. And yeah, he's better than that. He's he's never been he's never been like that. It, as as far as I've I've seen in his entire career, whether in San Antonio or not, uh, but no, that man is not going to be finishing through contact uh, at the rim, and <laughs> and uh, let's see who who is who on the team is Rudy Gay, uh, Rudy Gay and Demar Derozan really are it. Those are the to, only two who could, and I don't know if I mean that's it. Dejounte finished through finished through uh, contact. Uh, Early in the season, Derek White hasn't. They they do. They'll finish through contact. They're not going to bully guys to the rim, though, is what I mean. No, right. Okay. And that's, they're yeah, they're that's going to kind of beat their guy, beat on the edges. Whereas De- Jalen Brown was going right through us into the teeth of the defense. Call it defense. I was go- well. Actually, I was going to say if we could call it teeth. <laughs> <laughs> the gums of the defense. Is the, the gums of the defense are being brutal. the rotting, stinking holes? Of the defense, oh, easy, where those easy. teeth used to be. I think mm-hmm. that's like a Ren and Stimpy reference. All right, all right. So let's okay. Let's so go. so uh, let's go to something. Uh, uh, let's go back to Dejounte because we talked right. about his offense, but on his his defense is really I think where Pop's probably the most frustrated because he's he did this several times in the Memphis game and he got pulled at least once, maybe twice for it. It, it I, I laugh at it because it's something. I used to do, but he, uh, he, he takes gambles on his guy and gets out of position and gets beaten to the rim or into the middle of the defense, putting the rest Mm -hmm. of the team at risk. He's not playing a solid, consistent defense. And he did it two or three times in this last Memphis game. And the last time, uh, I think it was, uh, Tyus Jones. So Tyus Jones faked a pass and he hadn't dribbled yet. And DeJounte jumped five feet sideways, and Jones just went right down the paint, right down the mm. middle of the free throw line. He got fouled. And Pop, DeJounte went to the other side of the court from the bench. Uh, it was on the Spurs end, but he went to the other side. And, and Pop just looked at him like, what the hell are you doing? You know, like, what is that? And I think that's that frustration and that decision-making that he needs to be more solid, just discipline on the court. It's not about, you know, recognition and stuff like that. It's just being more solid. And uh, I think that's probably going to be part of why he won't go get more minutes, even after his injury minutes restriction comes off, is you can't have your point guard being unsolid. And so I'll go back to when I did that way back in the day, I would, had, was playing against a guy I knew at point guard, and I was trying to pick his pocket every possession. And so he'd end up going right by me into the middle of the lane and he was killing us defensively. And coach just yelled at me at halftime, you know, how embarrassingly bad this was. And I'd never see the court again if I didn't just stay in front of the guy. Right. This was in seventh grade. (laughs) Okay. So it's, it's stuck with me, obviously. And I remember the guy on the other side was a guy named David Long. He's a guy I played baseball with. He's on the other team. And, um, but, you know, it's that lack of discipline at that level of just, it's a very, it's fundamentals is what it is. 
and the fundamentals there aren't aren't all there for several other guys. But that's the bad part of what Dejounte is doing right now. The good part is, like I said, he's energetic. He gets us easy buckets, uh, turnovers, deflected passes, maybe more than he should. Right when we start talking about his lack mm-hmm. of discipline there, but but you know he's exciting. And if he was being more selfish, he'd probably take more jumpers and probably do okay. Uh, we're not seeing those crazy floaters anymore, right? When was the yeah. last time? You know, he's not just driving into about ten feet and chucking up a rainbow. Um, that was last we're not year. Seeing a lot of that, not a lot that, not a lot of that crazy stuff. So I mean, he's maturing and he's getting better. I think he just still has a little ways to go. What he's in his third year, right? Essentially, really, his second year on third the year of playing. Yeah. So. Oh, uh, yeah. Right. If you count the first year as being in Austin, right? Yeah. First year. First year in Austin. Last. Last year. You know, without a single minute because the injury. So. Yep. Yeah. This would be. This would be his. Uh, goodness. So if I if I'm just kind of keeping an eye on him over the next ten games, I think it would be that. Like, what's his discipline looking like? Is he just being solid? Don't be flashy. Just be solid. You know, the kind of like, uh, not a fair comparison, but Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard, his rookie year, when he was, all he had to do is play defense, right? He was just yep. solid. He wasn't jumping around, getting out of position. He just would play lockdown defense on his guy in a very, very solid way. Uh, I don't think he even had a lot of steals back then or blocks or anything. It was just, he was solid. You know, and you build up from that solid. Uh, at least that's what I'd say is kind of the Spurs way, right? If you want to put a capital S on it. Yeah, that's the, that's a good place. That's a good place to, uh, to end too. Here's to DeJounte Murray being solid the rest of this year, letting the spectacular come as it will. Uh, Before we go, I got to give a hat tip to the defense kid yelling for defense against the Boston Celtics. He was right next to some microphone uh, with the, with the game out of hand and 20 points down, still yelling for defense. Here's to you, man. Uh, And that's going to do it for this episode of superfluous poppycock until next time. Keep safe and let it fly. 